Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it, shall we? In case you forgot who I am, this is Tyler Chef. I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And let's do a little bit of housekeeping up front. Got some news for you. For those of you that may have missed it, is that we're going to be, my wife and I are going to be traveling the country, uh, something that we've decided we've always wanted to do, and we're going to pull the trigger and do it. So what we did is we pulled the trigger. We bought an RV. We bought a motorhome, a Class A motorhome, 36-footer. Let me tell you, that bad boy is daunting driving down the highway. I'm going to have to add a few suspension stabilizer components because I used to drive truck for a living, tractor trailer, many, many moons ago, and they rode real smooth, no problem. They cornered like they're on rails. You know, great driving vehicles, tractor trailers, but RVs, boy, they put a they pack a lot on that little truck frame. So uh, it's uh, I feel like I'm riding a skateboard going down the road, but it's a beast. It's a big 36-footer. We're getting uh, moved in here over the next couple of weeks, and we'll hopefully be heading out May 1st of 2019. With that said, we're going to be starting a new podcast and YouTube channel. I will release the name here in a couple of weeks, um, so stay tuned for that. And you'll be able to basically watch us and experience what we're doing as we travel around the country. A lot of folks say to me on the phone when they call up and do the Ask Tyler call, and Tyler, there's no deals in my market. There's no opportunity in my market. I can't get a deal. I can't do retail arbitrage because there's just no opportunity. So what we've decided to do is we're going to bring the show to you. We're going to come in our RV. We're going to set up in areas where, don't worry, we'll notify you ahead of schedule. So, for example, if we come up to the Charlotte market or we come up to Baltimore or, or Maine or wherever we're going, we're going to announce it on the podcast. We've got some new technology I'm pretty excited about that's going to allow us to put out information, what they call pre-roll. So at the beginning of the episode, there'll be a new message, and it'll be on all of our episodes. So if you listen to an old episode, even today, like if today you listen to episode one, even though I recorded that thing four years ago, goodness, that makes me sound old, I will be able to insert a message for you on that episode dynamically. So I could say, hey, this is Tyler. We're going to be up in Chicago on May whatever. And you'll be able to, to, I'll give you a link where we're going to set up meetups and whatnot so I can get out and meet some of you guys. I've, I talked to a lot of you on the phone, guys and girls, and we've never really got to meet many of you. A lot of you we have at PodFest. Some of you came out to PodFest the last couple of years. And of course, I met you at real estate meetings and events and training things and whatnot. But I know there's a, I have a heck of a lot bigger audience than, than the people that I've met. And I'm excited to get out, shake some hands, help you guys get unstuck. As the saying goes, you know, you got to get out in the field if you want to play ball, right? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to get out in the field. We're going to start talking to folks. We're going to maybe do some uh, some training. If, you, if you're a host or you know a host of a local real estate meeting and they want somebody just to come teach, uh, we'll be talking about how to find opportunity, talking about raising money. It's going to be kind of um, problem-solving style. You know, we'll sit around like a, a in a circle or that type of thing and just kind of have like a townhome meeting. Like, let's just let's pull off the... the plastic and the garbage and let's just have a conversation you know tell me what's helping what's getting you stuck communicate with me that's the goal of what we're going to be doing at these little events and i don't foresee them having any cost at this stage of the game it'll just be getting together at coffee shops or pizza joints or whatever uh, maybe a breakfast joints or high hops or whatever around the country so stay tuned we're pretty excited about that i can't wait to meet some of you i think it's going to be awesome and frankly if we can help you get off the dime. If I got to give you a swift kick in the ass to get you moving in the right direction, then so be it. <laughs> then uh, we'll meet you out there. And, uh, you know, if you want to, you want to give back, then buy me pancakes. Actually don't buy me pancakes. My wife gets mad when I buy pancakes because apparently pancakes make me fat, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. 
So today, let's talk about how investments go wrong. Yes, I know it's a sticky subject, but here's the thing, boys and girls. If you are either the person putting the money in the deal or the person receiving the money for the deal, you need to hear this episode because we're going to talk about the things that you should be doing if you're the person accepting the funds into the deal and the things you should be looking for if you are the person that is injecting funds or infusing funds into the deal. So let's get started. I want to talk about um, unfounded speculation. Now, for me, that's the most common way that what appears to be a great deal becomes a bad one, okay? Unfounded speculation. I see a ton of deals out there where they're just pie in the sky. We've talked about this in previous episodes. The results or the returns they expect aren't realistic. Now, sometimes that comes from lack of experience. Sometimes I can imagine that folks are trying to make things rosier than what they really know they are. It's really up to you to decide which one applies in your individual situation. But either way, guys, it spells disaster. So you got to ask yourself when you see these deals and you see the workout, how are they going to get there, right? Remember, this applies to both you investors and sponsors. And before I go any further, I want to clarify what that means. When I say investors for the purposes of this episode, I know that's a grossly overused word. But investors, in my opinion, are the people that are infusing capital into the deal. They're the ones bringing the money into the deal. Listen, wholesalers, don't cry and complain and, and stomp up and down your feet that I'm an investor too. That's not what we're talking about. You can feel special tomorrow. But for this episode, we're not gonna we're gonna call you the sponsor, the deal sponsor. The deal sponsor is the person that has got the contract who maybe has found the deal and is gonna be overseeing or managing the deal. That's generally what I consider a deal sponsor or an opportunity sponsor. The investor is the person that has the cash. So let's keep that straight for this episode, right? They are two different roles within a, a deal. And this does not necessarily apply to syndication, guys. Okay, there's lots of different ways to skin the cat. Syndication is one of many tools in a toolbox. One of many tools in a toolbox. Not every deal justifies a syndicate. As a matter of fact, most deals don't justify a syndicate. But you would need to get with a, a local SEC compliance attorney. It's Securities and Exchange Commission, S like Sam, E like Echo, C like uh, Cat, SEC compliance attorney that will help you through the process. I don't care if you're a deal sponsor or the investor. I believe all parties should at least consult with each one. I'll talk about that in a minute. One of the biggest mistakes people do in this, and right now I'm talking to investors here, for investors is to take the word of the deal sponsor without any verification. I'm not saying the deal sponsors lie, but I'm saying sometimes deal sponsors have a first deal. Sometimes deal sponsors overlook things. Sometimes deal sponsors can maybe even be malicious. Who knows? But the bottom line is your responsibility as the investor to verify what you're being told. Don't take it as face value. Just because somebody says it's fact doesn't mean that it's fact. There's a lot of reasons why that could be. I'm not even going to begin to speculate why that would be. But what's important here and what you have to understand is you need to know, uh, you need to know the facts. You need to do your own due diligence separate from the data you're being provided. Do not make a decision whether to invest in a deal solely on somebody's perspective or, or their, their vision of what the deal looks like. I mean, I can make all kinds of great things look good on, on spreadsheets and Excel and fancy slideshows and whatnot, but that's not going to mean that it, we, it can predict the future because here's the thing. Stuff happens, right? Sometimes deals go south. Sometimes you may have this excellent crackpot manager is the best on the planet. And guess what? That guy gets hit by a truck or heaven forbid winds up in jail or maybe he gets sick or maybe he gets hurt or who knows what could happen. The bottom line is you're going to have to look at, there can't be any single points of failure. Really? If you can avoid it at all costs, look at that deal and, and ask yourself this question, investors, how 
are they going to get that money back to me? Okay, how are they going to get the, that money back to me now? I don't believe in taking the word of the salesman or the sponsor. And this applies to brokers too. And guys, I am a realtor. So I'm here to tell you, sometimes uh, realtors or agents or brokers, they tend to show you only the good side, right? I certainly don't sit there in front of one of my customers' listings and go, look at this train wreck. This piece of crap is just about to burst into flames because the guy that wired it was drunk and I'm pretty sure he's a heroin addict. I wouldn't do that. Now, that said, as a licensed agent, I am required, ethically bound, to disclose anything that would have a material effect on the property, yada, yada, yada. Not all realtors are created the same, okay? Sometimes things are simply overlooked. Sometimes things are ignored. There's a lots of different ways things can go on. Sometimes they're just clueless. And you know what they say? Ron White said, you can't fix stupid. So remember that. Sometimes they're just stupid. And same goes with the deal sponsors. They just do dumb stuff. That's just the reality of it. So investors, it's your responsibility to verify the facts. Okay. You do a deal with us. We're going to be completely transparent. We're going to show you what the property is we're buying where we're buying it at, you're going to see the paperwork, the contracts, you're going to see all that stuff. If we're doing a note, you're going to see the same due diligence file that I see. We're going to go through all that paperwork. You're going to be clear on what we're investing in. I, the last thing I, as a deal sponsor, would ever want is an investor unclear or left to their own devices to make decisions that are not based in fact or decisions that are not based in education because let me tell you, that can explode in your face in a heartbeat. So we want to make sure we avoid that at all costs. One of the biggest mistakes I see investors making is not asking enough questions or the right questions before they make an investment. Okay, we'll talk about some what some of the right questions are here in a minute, but not asking enough questions. Uh, you need to understand, be clear on first where the money is coming from, how it's going to be coming from. How you know is it coming from rents? Is it coming from appreciation? If so, what part of that deal do you get? What are your entitlements? How is it going to be paid? How often is it going to be paid? Don't assume you're going to get a monthly check. Don't assume you're going to get a quarterly or an annual check. There's a hundred different ways, a million different ways to structure a deal, and you should be clear. And it's, there's nothing wrong with simply asking the question of, hey, how do I get paid in this transaction and when? Don't think that that's a newbie thing to say or any of that stuff like that. Just ask the question. It's called good business. A lot of times people feel that if they ask questions, other than people are going to think they're newbies, they're rookies or whatever, you're going to be looked down upon, whatever. Don't fall into that trap because that's simply not true. Who cares what the other guy thinks? Ask the questions you need to ask to feel uh, that you're fully informed. And if you invest in a deal and you, are, you don't feel you're fully informed, then the only person you can really blame when the poo-poo hits the fan is yourself. You can look in the mirror and say, I blew it. I lost my money. Not the other guy, because you didn't ask the questions you need. You did not, did not do the due diligence that you needed to do to make sure that person was doing everything, number one, above board. But more importantly, making sure the other person did their due diligence. You know, sometimes the other person just overlooked something. They skipped the fact that, oh, I don't know, that the, there was a zoning issue or some sort of title debacle or something like that. You, you want to make sure that you cross those T's and dot their I's. And I know with a lot of you are thinking that are investors are thinking, well, if, why should I have to do that? They're already supposed to be the expert. I, trust me, I get it. I understand. But you also have to understand that people are human and people make mistakes. For me, the simple solution to this, I would hire an attorney to review the documentation, to review the numbers. Maybe if you've got a good CPA, have your CPA run the math. Have your CPA possibly get on the phone with their CPA or financial advisor and run the numbers to see if the numbers make sense and if they jive. 
yes, some of these some of these underwriting templates can be rather complex and confusing. You know, you got a lot of the engineer brain types, the ex-engineers that are out doing syndicates right now. So for them, they're looking, they want 7,000 columns on a spreadsheet, but they didn't happen to notice that, you know, half the property is located on an Indian reservation that they no longer own. You know, they skip the simple stuff in, in favor of details that don't matter. That doesn't mean they're dishonest. It just means that they're not paying attention or maybe they haven't done a lot of deals or maybe they're too focused on the wrong numbers. Maybe they're so wrapped up in cap rate and value add and tertiary markets or whatever other buzzword you can come up with that they're overlooking what's right in front of them. I talked about that a couple episodes ago. Okay. For me, if I'm going to do a deal and put my money in in somebody else's deal, I'm going to hire an SEC compliance attorney again to review the documentation. They're used to seeing the documentation, right? They're used to seeing the offering statements, memorandums, all that good stuff, the, the operating agreements. They're used to looking at all that. So if something looks awry, if something is outside of the norm, chances are they're going to pick it up pretty quickly and be able to help you address it. Also, if there are questions, it, sometimes it's good to have your attorney talk to their attorney. It's a disinterested third party. shouldn't say disinterested, but less interested third party. And sometimes they can help renegotiate things or help clear things that are uh, unknown. Just like you don't want to look stupid asking questions, the sponsor probably doesn't want to look stupid giving you the wrong answer. So sometimes it helps to have your attorney talk to their attorney and get it done. You know, the next thing you're probably thinking is, well, Tyler, if I got, I don't want to shell all that money for an attorney. My goodness, that could cost me a thousand dollars. Yes, and investing your fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or half a million in this deal or more, you could lose all of it because you're too cheap to pay for a couple hours of an attorney's time, right? Don't do that. Don't make that mistake. Now that I've said that, deal sponsors, you should be an open book. Okay, you should have you should have your your information handy and be able and willing to walk the investors through and in a very calm, easy to understand manner, explain them the deal. That doesn't mean you need to go a full on engineer brain and start going deep diving with them way down the rabbit hole and result in losing them. Or, right, we can only pay attention for so long. You keep it somewhat simple, somewhat superficial. You give them the facts that are backed by data. Okay, explain the deal to them, and when they have questions, answer them. And if you can't answer the question, that's okay. Don't feel that that's that's a bad thing. It's like, hey, I don't have the answer to that question, guys. There's not a investor pitch that I do where somebody asks a question that I don't probably know the answer. So how do I deal with that? Do I go, do I'm an idiot? No, I don't say, dude, I'm an idiot. What I say is, you know, I don't have the answer to that. That's a great question. Let me get with my tax professional, legal professional, property manager, whatever. Whoever is the expert, my marketing person, whatever. Let me get with them and get the answer to you. Or let's get them on the phone right now. Let me see if I can track them down real quick. And um, let's get them on the phone and have that conversation. Let's ask the question and find out. I cannot stress deal sponsors how important it is for you to be transparent. Nobody cares about your unit count, right? That doesn't matter. What matters is your ability to solve problems. Talk about the problems that you've solved in the past. Talk about the how you are a good problem solver. And this doesn't necessarily mean real estate, boys and girls. You can talk all about solving your problem, solving problems and being good at it on your very first deal. Maybe you're a, I don't know, a high school guidance counselor and you used to, you know, you used to talk kids into not shaving their head or something. Who knows? You know, got them to pull up their pants all the time without getting shot in the face. Who knows what it is, guys? 
But if you have problem-solving skills, and I know that some of you have solved problems in your life, right? That's why we're still around and not in jail. Then be a, don't be afraid to ring your own bell and talk about your ability to solve problems, your ability to work with people. Sponsors, this is critical, critical to get this, this information out to the people that want to do that. Do not fall for this fake it till you make it phenomenon. That is the worst thing in the world. Okay, don't do the fake it till you make it. It just doesn't make sense. And people that give you that advice, fake it till you make it, if they're your coach, mentor, student, whatever, friend, family member, fire them. Get as far away from them as possible. Do not be a pretender. Now read a book, do some research, and it's okay to say, you know, my research indicates this. I have gone and undertaken things in my life where I read a book and then I went out and did it. Okay, I'm reading a, a books right now on Appalachia, right? How to go out and I don't know skin trout and whatnot. Even though I know how to do that, but how to set traps and snares and things like that for for animals, you know, to, for hunting. Something I've never done before. Do I have to be an expert to teach somebody else? No, I need I go read the book. I try it a couple times, figure out what doesn't work, then figure out what does work, and I teach somebody else. This is no different, boys and girls. If you're going to do your first syndication, it doesn't mean you have to lie about you've done ten before. If this is your first big deal. You don't have to lie and say, oh, yeah, I do these all the time. I've got 50,000 doors, which reality, guys, most of these guys run around talking about how many doors they have. They're full of crap in the first place. And here's why I say that. They may own part ownership in, I don't know, 600 doors like that ding dong that I met at that one conference, but they don't have any control over it. They don't make any decisions. They just happen to have 50 grand in their IRA, and their only involvement in the deal is telling their IRA, hey, Advanta, write these people a check. Now, suddenly, they're like the expert in, in multifamily syndicates. Wrong. You know, oh, because they own part of 600 doors. That doesn't mean bupkis. What, mean, what, what really matters is how many problems you solve. What type of problems have you solved? What would you do when this situation happens? Think about the different ways that you can ask the questions to get the answers that you need to feel comfortable that the deal sponsor actually knows what the hell they're doing. Or if they don't know what they're doing, that's actually fine, boys and girls, as long as they've got someone on their team that does know what they're doing. Well, you know, I'm kind of an idiot. I'm not going to say that, but, well, this is my first deal, but I'm, I'm sponsored by, I don't know, pick somebody, Tyler Chef, Michael Blank, whatever, uh, Rod Cleef. One of us has sponsored you because we have more experience in the deal, that we're taking the lead. Maybe this, this person is leveraging our team or resources to put it together. So don't get sucked into that fake it till you make it thing. Please, sponsors, don't do that. Understand that how you get paid is far more important of, than what you'll get paid. With that said, do not pick the deals apart. Don't expect a 40% return so that the deal is to, the poor person that's doing the deal, not being good at sales or marketing or closing, gives you too much money so that the deal fails. You wind up killing your own deal. I see this a lot. I see people going, they, I, knocked, I knocked them down. I got 18% return. And then you find out six months later that the guy is in bankruptcy or foreclosure. It's like, well, why is, what happened to the sponsor? Well, I don't know. He claims he's not making any money. Well, and he couldn't pay me. That's because he promised more or he wrote checks with his big mouth that his ass couldn't cash. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And frankly, if you're the person, the, the investor that helped uh, perpetuate that, it's your problem because you're causing yourself and other people to lose money. So ask yourself this question, what can the deal feasibly afford to pay? Okay. I frankly don't care what somebody's acquisition fees are and management fees and this fee and that fee. 
doesn't matter to me. What's in it for me? And how am I going to get paid? Where is it going to come from? If you guys are going to pick the carcass clean on the front end and, and pay me later in the back end, well, that could be a problem. But if you're not going to, if you're going to delay gratification on the front end so that I can get a little ching ching for my money, a little return for my money, and you can keep some equity in the deal, you're not going to pick that carcass clean like a Thanksgiving turkey, then maybe we can do something. Because if you are planning on making your car payments off of this deal, well, that's a problem. If you couldn't support yourself before this deal, that's a problem. If you're one of those guys that's spending all your time doing events because you don't have the any money to live, that's a problem, okay? These are people that you might not want to deal with if you're looking for a deal sponsor. Find people that have already kind of got their act together. I would rather invest money with a deal sponsor that has a W-2 job than I would some guy trying to do whatever, just trying to live off of this first investment. That's dangerous, folks. Don't go down that road, okay? So don't get sucked in. That is a huge reason of why investments go wrong, and there's a lot of quote-unquote syndicators or deal sponsors out there, and that's exactly what's happening. They are literally living. If the deal doesn't come through, they're not going to make their car payment or they're not going to make a rent. That's a problem for you. That's a huge problem for you if you're an investor. Sponsors, that's like writing a check. It's like writing a uh, trying to float a check. Don't do it. Just don't go down that road, okay? Ask yourself this question, and more importantly, investors, ask the sponsor this question. What happens if the data or the research is incorrect or inaccurate? What happens then? How do we deal with that problem? They'll probably come back with inaccurate how. Well, make something up. Let's say the rents are wrong, and you can't get those rents, and now the opportunity is not going to perform. How am I going to get my preferred return? Make them prove it to you guys. Make them prove it to you. I assure you that a loan underwriter, a mortgage underwriter, is going to make them prove it. So you are fully within your right to make them prove it. How do you know this will be this will get done? If they're doing a speculation play, let's say you're doing a, a flip of a house or something, I want to see a market analysis by a licensed agent, or better yet, an appraisal, showing me that if you put twenty grand in this thing, that it's going to sell. I want to see the comparable sales. I want to see that the houses look like this one, that they're within a reasonable range from each other. You know, you want to rely on the advice of somebody else outside the deal who does not stand to gain from you inserting your capital into the deal. Can the sponsor be fired? That's a big question that you need to ask. What if the sponsor turns out to be a schmuck? What if he's a jerk? What if you don't like working with him? What if he's incompetent? Can he be replaced in the deal? Is there any provision for that? These are things you want to ask yourself if you're doing a syndicate or, you know, or any type of thing where you've got a deal sponsor involved. Can they be removed from the deal? What happens if things just go haywire? What if this guy gets a federal tax lien? For that matter, has he filed his taxes in the last couple of years? Is he willing to provide copies of their tax returns to show that they filed their taxes? I could care less that they, how much money they've made. I'm just concerned that they've actually do file their taxes and that they're not using TurboTax and therefore subject to some sort of a, a levy or an or a audit from the IRS because if you're partners with these people and these knuckleheads have been doing their own taxes for the last 20 years, <laughs> this boys and girls can be a problem. I covered this up a minute ago, but what happens if the sponsor gets sick? They die. Whatever happens, who takes over? Okay, what provisions are in place for them to take over? Is key man insurance available? If, if it is, great. Ask to see a copy of the declaration policy, the declaration page to see what's covered, what's not covered, what the provisions of the insurance are. There's a lot of different ways they can write insurance. 
if there is key man insurance, what does that actually mean? Who becomes the key person? How does that work? These are questions that are well within your purview to ask. So make sure you ask them. How are disputes to be handled? Let's see, you guys can't agree. And there's two of you in a deal. Well, what happens then? Is it 50-50? Is it just a draw? Or is there a, a disinterested third party that maybe is a tiebreaker for you? Maybe is there an arbitrator involved or a mediator? That could be, say, that you could say put language in there that says in the event that either party can agree on a specific, 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 can't talk today, specific situation that both parties agree to bring in an arbitrator or a moderator uh, or a negotiator or whatever you want to call it to work out the situation, to hear it, the situation, and then give a vote. They can vote for one side or the other, therefore constituting a majority and off you go. Anything legal can be put into writing, guys. This is why you have your attorneys draft the agreements. So, guys, lots of different ways you could see there in this episode that investments can go wildly wrong. Don't let them happen to you. Sponsors, you know what to do now to make yourself look good and, more importantly, perform really, really well for your investors. Boys and girls, I appreciate you coming out this week. Investors, if you have capital sitting around, if you got a 401k doing nothing, you need help getting it rolled over to a self-directed IRA, let me know. We can, I can walk you through the process. I can turn you on to the... IRA administrators, if you're looking for a place to move capital to get money moving in the right direction, get on my calendar. Let's have a conversation. I've got joint venture opportunities available. We've got all kinds of opportunities available. Don't hesitate to get on the horn. Give us a call and let's make some cash flow happen. I'm going to wrap it up right there, guys. I hope you have a great week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashFlowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.